Let's pray. Lord, I love that chorus. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. God, what an amazing promise. We stand on these words this morning, knowing that that you are our cornerstone. You are our rock. You are our strong foundation. Father, we thank you for for this time. We can gather one more time this year together, uh, whether we're here or we're in the cloud. We are with one another, and we can turn to your word one more time and, and, and learn and be impacted by the words of Scripture. I pray that, that this morning you would be seen, you would be known, and be present. Lord, would the, the things that you want made clear be made clear this morning, and the things that, uh, that you don't fade away. Would, uh, would you speak through me? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Teach us this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. It's good to be with you this morning. Again, it is, as Ted mentioned, this is, this is the culmination of our year, the last Sunday of 2020. Ah, it's got to feel good, I think. It's always, it always feels good this time of year, no matter what, but I think it feels especially good this year. Uh, because it has it has been a year. It's a, you know the end of the year is always a great time for reflection, for for thinking back about where we've been, where we've come, how much we've endured. Um, the more of that we do this year, the the, the, the sadder it can get. So, uh, without spending too much time and dwelling there. Uh, I do want to want to bring some hope, but it's been fun reading Christmas letters and looking at everybody's Christmas cards and pictures as they've been sending those around. And you know, it, 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 we get I think we've kind of developed this habit as as a culture where we we kind of classify our life in year units and, and kind of give an identity to that particular year. And, and I, I, I certainly don't want to play into that too much. We don't want to treat 2020 as though it is some kind of malevolent like self-aware being that, that is actively seeking to cause us harm. Uh, and it, but I think it's interesting, if you think back, if, if, I'm old enough to remember that we felt kind of the same way about 2019. I, I don't know if you remember seeing any memes about it, but it, 2019, there were, there was, we, we weren't super excited about 2019 either. We were pretty happy to flip the calendar at the end of last year. And so now here we are again, in kind of the same spot, looking for a deep breath, looking for some hope, looking for something refreshing. And I, and I trust that we will find it, but at the same time, it's not like all of the problems that you have today are just going to magically evaporate four days from now, that they're just going to go away, that it, suddenly everything is great, because things will persist between now and then the way that they always do. And there's always, next year, 2021, there are going to be reasons to be concerned, to be fearful, to be doubtful, pessimistic. But there's going to be reasons to be hopeful as well, reasons to be optimistic, reasons to overcome and be stronger than we were before. So with all that as the backdrop, as I was contemplating what, 
how do we leave this year? I think I, I felt like it was a good time for us to really examine uh, and remind ourselves of a way that we can make sure that we, as we take a fresh start, that regardless of what next year brings, we want to be prepared for it as much as we can. As we, again, as we flip the calendar to 2021, we want to do some things that are going to help us make it through as, as well as we can. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to read some verses. We're going to, st- we're going to be, if you've if you got a Bible with you, turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, we're going to read verses 24 through 27. These are, these may be familiar words to you. They're very familiar words to me. They're incredibly poignant for me. These were, this was scripture that, uh, that Maggie and I had read at our wedding. And so I, I come back to these verses often because of the perspective that they give, because of the hope that they give, and because uh, of just, the, just the, the reminder of what's important. So uh, join me as I read in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So these verses... Over the next few minutes, I'm going to take a look at some things that we can draw from these four simple verses. You know, they kind of set up a metaphor for us of a builder, a couple builders, actually. Uh, They're building a house. They're building a building of some kind. They're building a house, and they show us a path to taking it through the challenges. So we're going to take a look. If we're going to be ready for next year, we're going to be ready for 2021 and beyond, I think these verses give us some insight and some ways that we can prepare and plan ahead. We're going to see that the foundation that we choose will have an impact on the outcome that we experience. And and we'll see uh, a little bit of how we can weather the storm because life is always going to bring storms into our lives. But these verses give us some insight on how we can persevere and make it through. So... Like I said, I'm, I'm going to share some observations and some insights on these verses and kind of talk you through some things that jump out at me and some things that have been comforting for me over the years that I think we can learn from. And hopefully it's a good reminder for us as we close this chapter. So the first thing that I want us to see from these verses, I already alluded to it, is that foundations matter. Foundations matter. And we see this in verses 25 and 27, there's contrast. This verse, these, these verses are full of contrast. You've got two builders. You've got a wise builder and you've got a foolish builder. And we see that the first house in verse 25, because it had been founded on the rock, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. In verse 27, we see that the house fell and great was the fall of it. In verse 26, it tells us that that house was founded on sand. So we see there's a contrast there. And to give us a little bit of context for these verses, I, I, I thought it was instructive to take a look at the, 
just the, the, the context of Jesus when he spoke these words. This was in the Sermon on the Mount. And to think about what the people that he was speaking to would have known about building houses at the time, thought it was interesting. Uh, so this was, in Israel, in, in this land, it was, the, it was a very diverse landscape, both geographically and geologically. It was mountainous, it was very rocky, but it also had some fertile parts. Uh, you can see some images from the Sea of Galilee behind me, uh, or on your screen if you're, if you're at home. Uh, this is where Jesus was. This was the setting at the time. So you can see a, a satellite view there. Pretty rocky, pretty arid, uh, kind of uh, you know, dry, but also with fertile plains. And what would happen is that the rain would come down, and when, the, when it rained, the, the, the ground was, it didn't have nice topsoil like we have here in Iowa, so the ground didn't really soak it in. So the water would just all run into the streams. Those streams would swell and flood. And it would do that enough that it would flood some of the plains, and that's what led to the, the agriculture and the vegetation in the area, is this, uh, this, this pattern of raining, flooding, watering, watering the earth, and keeping it fertile. And so this was the pattern, but ultimately it was pretty, again, it was pretty hot and dry in this valley with mild winters, and in the hot summers, the, the ground would get really hard. It would bake in the sun. And so... If you were going to build a building there, the ground would present the appearance of firmness. It would seem hard. It would seem like it would be stable and it would support you, but ultimately it was sand. So if you wanted to be sure that you were going to make it through this rain that the builders should know was coming, they would have to do a little extra work. They would have to get below the sand. Because the sand would be fine at first until something put some stress on it, until that rain came, until something caused it to shift because the sand ultimately isn't meant to be stable. It's meant to move around. So Jesus, again, uses this as the setting for his metaphor and he kind of builds in then this contrast between a wise builder and a foolish builder. And he tells us the foolish builder builds on the sand. He settles for what is on the service. It seems secure at the time, but it's not going to be able to withstand the changes that will come to it. Whereas the wise builder opts to dig a little bit deeper. The wise builder goes down to where there is rock, something that's not going to move. He gets below the surface. And we see that the stability of the house is dependent on the foundation that it's built on. I think it's interesting to note here that in these verses, we know nothing about either one of the houses that was built. It doesn't tell us a single thing about the construction of the houses aside from the foundation. This isn't like a three little pigs story where one of them's built out of straw and the other one's built out of brick. And the brick house, the one that was built with the right materials last, no, it says nothing about the house. It's just about the foundation. So Jesus is setting up this contrast between what's going to last and what will fail to support us. The rock doesn't move, the sand does. And I think ultimately this contrast, when Jesus was speaking these words, he's saying it to contrast between his teaching and the teaching of the Pharisees at the time. He's really, this, he's like 
This is kind of a, a troll of the Pharisees who really represented, as I think back over it, they really represent the pop culture of the day. Because, you know, this is, it's, it's Israel, uh, you know, it's the land that God established, and so there is a spirituality that is inherent to the culture at large. And so Jesus is really taking shots at pop culture in his time. Because the Pharisees did their actions publicly, but didn't mean anything. They would build their lives to say, take a look at the show. Here it is. You see me doing all the stuff. I've got all the right clothes. I've got the right house. I've got the right actions. I'm in the right clubs. But none of it meant anything for them. There was no foundation. And Jesus is telling his followers, you've got to look past that. We've got to look at something that's going to last. And so ultimately, Jesus is teaching us to carefully guard our worldview. He wants us to examine what we use as our reasoning and our purpose because it's foolish to base your worldview on things that can shift, things that can change. And we see this all the time. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see all of the things in our lives that change. You know, and it's, and it's, easy, to, it's easy to, with some things, to look at them in distaste. You know, we, we talk about words that get redefined. You know, the perspectives on certain things that change that we, that we find frustrating. Um, you know, whether it's perspectives, it's, uh, you know, trends that change things, but, it's, but it happens in every sphere. I mean, look at music, look at medicine, look at, uh, you know, you, I've been watching some, some older movies. I watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life uh, on Christmas Eve. And it's, it's, it's a classic movie. But if you released that movie this year, it would be roundly criticized as being kind of cheesy. I mean, it's, it's, it's great, it's an uplifting story, but the dialogue is a little thin at times. But when it was released, people, people grew to love it because of what it stands for, but filmmaking has changed. Lots of things have changed. I used to be really good at video games. I bought a Nintendo when I was in fourth grade with my paper route money and a little bit of grand, grandma Christmas money. Bought my own Nintendo and got really good at Super Mario Brothers. It was really good. I, I got really good at Contra, all kinds of stuff. And, and every, everybody that plays video games now is looking at me like I got a second head growing out of my neck. They're like, what the heck, what games are those? I don't even know what you're talking about. You mean Fortnite, right? You mean, and Fortnite's not even cool anymore, from what I understand. Like, it's, things have so rapidly evolved that if I was building my life around that stuff, around my, you know, when we do it, we talent, youth, beauty, intelligence, athletic ability, these things that, that soak up so much of our time and attention, they change over time. And if that is what we are anchored to, we're going to be disappointed because at some point those things are going to fail. Even relationships fail us. Because people, this, brace yourself, this is going to shock you. People can let you down. They do. Because people are sinful. I, 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 I'm, I'm first among them. 
I hope that your hope is not based on me because that's going to be that's going to be a problem for you. It's going to be a problem for me too. We've got to look deeper. And this year it's been I mean it's been a year like that. I mean we've we've all needed more from other people than other people have been able to give us this year. Every one of us. I saw that quote online this week. We've all needed more from others than others have been able to give us. And so there's a gap there. We've all come up against a need that other people can't meet. So how are we going to meet it? How are we going to find that need? See, nobody sets out to build a poor foundation. Nobody does it on purpose. If you were the builder of you're this foolish builder, you didn't build on the sand because you thought, this, this is probably good. It'd probably work. No, you, the builder that built on the sand did it because they just didn't put the planning in. It was easier to just take what was coming to them. They didn't want to put in the effort to get below the surface. But it's so important that we do, and it's important that we do for the next point that I want to talk about, which is the foundations matter because the storms are coming. We know all about that in this town, right? Foundations matter because the storm is coming. We've lived it. We have been through it. So let's take a look at the storm in these verses. Verse 25 says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. And beat on that house. In verse 27, it says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. Some observations from this storm. It's the same storm. It's not two different storms. It's one storm that hits both houses. It's, the, it's an identical set of experiences that both of these buildings are walking through. There's no difference. It's the same storm. I think it's interesting here, too, that when Jesus speaks these words, the storm is assumed to be on its way. He doesn't say, if the storm comes. He doesn't say, there could be a storm. He says, and the rain fell. Built the house, and the rain fell. Storm's coming. All right, we're not in an airplane where you can just kind of fly around it and you can reroute your, your destination and go somewhere else because of the storm. It's going to hit you. There will be a storm in 2021. There's going to be a storm. Big storm, small storm, I don't know. But it's coming. We've got to be ready for that storm. Prepare ahead for it. One thing that I, I really find interesting with the, with the way that Jesus describes this storm is that it's, it, falls in, it comes in succession. Right? They say bad things happen in threes, right? First the rain, then the flood, then the streams rise, and then the wind. See, a lot of times, and, and maybe, you can, maybe you've experienced this, a lot of times it's not the first storm that gets you. It's when they all stack up on top of you. I mean, I'm guessing, especially if you're, if you're a homeowner, you know all about it, right? It's like first, you know, the, the stove goes out, so then you've you, you got to eat microwave popcorn for every meal. 
And then, all right, the stove, all right, we can handle the stove. I got, I got a little bit of savings. I've got some reserves. We're fine with the stove. And then the transmission goes out in the car. And now you're like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. That went, that, that went my favorite $4,000. Now what? I can't get kids to soccer practice because that car's in the shop and she's over there. And, and so now it's the stress builds. And then the, whatever it is, then the third thing happens. And sometimes the third thing's not even that big a deal. But the fact that they all happen in the same week, the same month, the same year, that's what breaks us. It's the rapid succession of calamity after calamity that brings us to our knees so often. And I think that's interesting here. This is, this is a serious storm. It's the rain and then the flood and then the winds. And that's what shakes the house. That foundation. I think it's interesting to note as well that the storm, it, 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 it's, it's external conditions that cause the house to fall. All right, it's not mold, it's not a, a pipe that bursts, it's, it's external pressures. We all have external pressures. Regardless of the way that you choose to live your life, there's going to be external pressures that are going to push us in a certain direction. That wind does not stop blowing. But the only thing that will keep us rooted is, is a firm foundation. So what are the storms in our lives? What are, what are the storms that we need to be watching out for? Well, Aaron just took us through a couple. Um, Dan, if you want to hit the next, I just, I've got a visual here just to give you uh, just a, a couple of things that we've had to put up with in 2020. Um, just some reminders of, you know, what's, what's been kind of crazy uh, this year. Um, and Aaron just got done taking us through a couple of them, too. You know, we talked about, he talked about disease, derecho, and, and depression, anxiety. He hit on all of these things. And, I mean, just, you know, look around our church. You know, we've, we've dealt with so much this year. It's been hard. It's been long. We're weary. We're tired because the storm just doesn't seem to want to let up. And next year, even though we flip the calendar, you know, something's going to happen. And it could be whatever it is that could shake the foundations. It could be, uh, it could be illness. It could be sickness. COVID or not, it could be, it could be you know, a, a medical emergency. It could be relationships that are strained. You know, it could be your kids. It could be your parents, your best friend. It could be some kind of loss when you lose your job. You know, lose wages. You know, we, people have lost their homes this year. Um, you know, people have lost their, you know, their, their savings, their retirement. They've, they've saved their whole lives to accumulate, to provide for them in retirement, and now it's, it's taken a hit. You know, it might be time. You know, it might be the, the week you have to take off to go chop down trees and branches. and live. Like, there, it, could be, it could be from a number of directions. All of these all of these are real and they should be respected. It's been hard and it's going to be hard next year, but these things do not define us. The storm does not define us. And we see that as we compare these two houses. We've got you know, the wise builder built on the rock and that house stood. And I think, you know, I get to this part 
in the message, and I, I was thinking about it this morning, and I realized, but that's, it's kind of dark if we just, you know, we don't want to stop there, because man, that's depressing. We don't, I don't mean to force you to relive all of these horrible memories, the, the, but there, there is hope this morning, because we want to focus on the ho- not on the house that was built on the sand. We want to focus on the house that was built on the rock, that the wise builder planned ahead for to make it through the storm. So we have to choose right now. If we want to be like the wise builder, we've got to choose today and tomorrow, and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. We've got to choose every single day if we're going to what, where our foundation is. Where, how are we going to establish that foundation? What foundation are we building on? Wisdom says that we need to do the work now and we have to be ready. Foolishness says to take the easy path, cut corners, and don't worry about what you believe or why you believe it. Just kind of take it as it comes. But that's not, that's not enough. So let's take a look then uh, with our, our remaining time this morning together. I want to take a look at how do we then, how do we find bedrock? How do we build on the rock that Jesus talks about in these verses. How do we do that? Where do we establish our worldview? How do we build on the rock? So I've got a couple of insights. And, you know, I think, I think it's important to say that you're not going to hear anything over the next few minutes that you've never heard before. I, I find it incredibly likely to think that any of this are things that you don't know already. But it's so important to be reminded regularly of what is true because that's that's how that's how we get there Um, so i'm going to read verse 24 over again he says everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock if we want to be the wise builder jesus gives us a couple of hints in that verse as to how we can pursue wisdom and and get and hit bedrock so that we can weather the storm. How do we establish our house so that it will last? So step one is to hear. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, we've got to hear his words. It starts with being exposed to Jesus' teaching. So I, I think it's interesting, too, that Jesus spoke these words. I mentioned it. It was the culmination, the last little tiny section in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is teaching, this is sort of, you know, at the beginning of his ministry, and he's saying, I need you guys to listen to what I'm saying. You've got to hear my words. He's talking to people, a lot of them that are on the path to being a believer. And I think it's interesting, too, it's instructive that the, the word, words, in this verse... When Jesus says, hear these words of mine, is the same word, it's logos. It's the same word that John uses in John 1 when he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. It was with God in the beginning. That is what Jesus tells us to pay attention to. Jesus' message. God is trying to communicate something to us. Jesus says, pay attention to the message. He says, pay attention to me. Hear my words. You have to pay attention. We have to have them in our heads and in our hearts. 
And we have to just, we have to stay in them regularly and let it wash over us to remind us. But I think it's also interesting, verse 26 says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Everybody heard. Both builders heard. So it must not be enough to just hear these words. There must be something more. And Jesus tells us the wise builder doesn't just hear, he does. He puts it into practice. So we've got to hear, but we've also got to do. We've got to put his words into practice. And that's really the hardest part. Like Anybody can hear. The doing is the challenge. Because I, I don't know about you, I know all kinds of commands from Scripture that I don't do. I'm just going to be honest. I, I know a lot of stuff. I've been a Christian for over 20 years. I've, I've, been, I've been raised in the church. I know a lot. But I don't necessarily do everything that I know every time, and none of us do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an educated guess and say that this is probably true of you also. There's more to the story. And so the doing is the hard part. A couple of things on the doing. First of all, this isn't a checklist. It's not, we, we have to be real careful that we don't fall into the trap of the Pharisees that said, hey, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Look at me. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. Jesus said this specifically to, review, to rebuke the empty actions of the Pharisees. He's calling them out with these words. So what do we do that makes us wise? Well, in in John 6, 29, Jesus answered them. It says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So if you want to do, if you want to do the work, step one is you have to believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he was. It's the gospel. That is where it starts. We believe that Jesus, that God squeezed himself down into humanity on Christmas. We just got done singing about it. He stepped into this earth, lived the kind of life that I just got done saying I could never live, sinless perfection, and then handed it over as just payment for everybody else's sin, for payment for sins that we could never pay. And Jesus said, the work that I need you to do is I need you to believe in that. Believe in me. Believe that I did what needed to be done. I gave myself up. Put your trust in me. Put your trust in my message, in my life. Don't trust in yourself. So that's where it starts. The gospel is where it starts. And that's comforting because when we talk about foundations, That part's in recorded history. It's not going to change. Nobody's going to change what Jesus already accomplished. You're not going to change 2,000 years of church history. That is a foundation that will not move. It's secure. And, And ultimately, if we're honest, building on anything else besides these principles is unwise. It's not going to last. So the wise builder starts with the foundational belief in the gospel message. 
but I don't think it necessarily ends there because, again, this is the last piece in the Sermon on the Mount. So go back and look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus gives some fantastic teaching about how to give, how to pray, how to fast. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about anger, lust. He talks about anxiety and trusting in, in him and his provision. Where your heart is, Jesus is telling them what I want you to do, the, the, the doing that I want you to do is about your heart. It's about what's in here. I want your heart to be fixed on me. I want you to give me what's on the inside. Because that can last. That can endure. When, when things around you, when the wind blows, when the rains come. So, how do we do it? Just, just two more things quickly here before we close. What does this mean? There's, there's all kinds of ways. I mean, you don't, most of you don't, again, you don't need me to tell you ways to secure a foundation. I'm just going to remind you of two that, that I think are, are incredibly important. First one, again, hearing comes before doing. So if we're going to do, we've got to hear. And we need to hear over and over and over. We've got to wash ourselves in Scripture. We've got to find a way to make it a priority in our lives. And, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I'm a, I, I've had stretches where it was incredibly hard for me to find the time to do it, where I was very sporadically in the Word. And so maybe that you're not where I'm at, but, but it's been really helpful for me to turn to audio Bibles to get words into my brain. You know, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll listen to scripture while I'm exercising. I do it in the mornings. And just that, that daily discipline of having that word in my head makes it easier to do it the next day. It's not like it just makes it easier for me to just obey every single thing that God's scripture says. But doing it today makes it easier to do it tomorrow. And that momentum builds. And I've, you know, I, I've started the one-year Bible plan like a bunch of times. And I rarely make it through, you know, the, the dregs of First and Second Chronicles. Like, it's, 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 it's a challenge. It's a chore. But it is so worth it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not there, you know, we got four days left, and I'm, I'm behind. I'm in the Gospels. But I made it through the Old Testament for the first time really ever. And I'm, I'll probably finish up by the end of February. So, but it's been being able to build that in in some way, whether I'm reading it or I'm hearing it, has made a difference for me. And the other thing that's, that's made a difference for me is that I have to, if I'm going to prioritize it over other pursuits, because if I'm honest with myself, if I, got, if I got 15 minutes to be on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or Netflix or, you know, choose your, your distraction, whatever, whatever, whatever it is for you, ESPN, I don't know. If I've got 15 minutes there, I've got 15 minutes to be in the Word. I do. I just, some days, some days I, I find excuses, but what makes it easier for me is if I plan ahead. So one of the things that's been, like, when I, when I exercise, I do it in the mornings because I know if I don't do it first thing, my day is going to get busy. And I'm going to find every reason, every excuse to not do it. And so it's helpful for me to get all of my exercise clothes out the night before. 
set them out, I throw them in a pile. Like there's no science to it. Just the act of getting it out and setting it on the floor next to my dresser makes it that much easier for me and that, in the morning and that much harder to, to blow it off. So plan ahead, schedule it into your day. Think ahead and, and make that choice beforehand. And then one last thing, finally, is not only do we have to be in the Word, we've got to study it, we've got to memorize it, we've got to meditate it, we've got to consume it regularly, we've got to do it, last point here, we've got to do it in community. We have to do it in community with one another, together. We have to. Storms are serious, and they will rock our foundations. And the only way that we're going to make it through is if we've got people speaking truth into our lives, telling us, let's go together. Asking us, hey, brother, do you need a hand? Can I pray for you, for your family? What do you need? We have to do it together. We've got to do it together. And, and I know, hey, this, we all want it. I don't think that there are very many of us out there thinking, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I'm good. Don't ask me any questions. I doubt that any of us feel like that. But it's hard to find. It's not easy to find community at times because community requires vulnerability and it, and it requires initiative. And let's be honest. I mean, I've been, been at Maranatha for 16 years. You know, it's, we, we have a lot of introverts. We've got a lot of smart, quiet people in this, in this building. We've got a lot of engineers. We've got a lot of people that, we've got a lot of finance people. We've got a lot of people that are, are introverts and I bet you can think of the extroverts in our church. You can probably, you can think of them all because they stand out. And listen, this isn't a judgment on introverts because I count myself among you. I am, an, I am the classic extroverted introvert. I, I, I would rather be at home than anywhere else. So this is not a judgment. It's just an observation. We've, we've got to work together. We've got to work a little extra hard to build that community. Somebody's got to take the initiative. And initiative is hard because the answer might be no. We have to do it. We've got to do it together. We have to walk in community. Um, if you have not done so already, you have to go back and watch our Thanksgiving video. You have to watch it. That was one of the highlights of my year, was watching that Thanksgiving video and just being able to, to see all the things that that you all were so thankful for this year. And one of the things that struck me was that how many people said the thing that they were most thankful for were the people in their lives that walked through this year with them. It was my small group. It was my Bible study. It was my prayer group. That, even in spite of the distance, in spite of the fact that we couldn't sit down next to each other, we, couldn't, we weren't drinking coffee together, we were on Zoom, we were on... Skype, we were on Teams, whatever it was, it was the people, it was the relationships. And here's the thing, if, if you didn't have those relationships beforehand, it got really tough to forge them in the midst of all of this ridiculousness. So we've got we've to build that foundation now. We have to do it. 
And we can't rely on, on the extroverts to do it for us. We've got to take the initiative. I think the, if you'll allow a, a, a little bit deeper analogy here, when we think about foundations, you think about concrete. I think that the, the relationships that we build, the community is, that's the, we you know when you're pouring a, a driveway or sidewalk, that's the wire that you roll out and put it inside there. It doesn't change the foundation at all, but it adds strength. It makes it a little bit tougher. It holds it together so that that foundation isn't going to shift. Because we know the storm's coming. We don't know when. We, uh, more than anybody, know that it can blow up with, with little to no notice and it can change a lot in a hurry. We know the storm's coming. So the main point that I want to leave you with today, the simple main idea is that when Christ is our foundation, you can weather any storm. When Christ is our foundation, we can weather any storm. So Father, this morning, as we turn to prayer, as we put the cherry on top of this, this year, my prayer is that, that we would turn to you, that we would be rooted in a foundation of your word and a belief in the gospel. That this year that we would hear your words and that we would do them and that, uh, that we would believe and we would pursue your direction for our lives. Lord, nobody wants to be a foolish builder. We want to be wise. And so, Father, I pray that you would give each of us the discipline, the drive, the initiative, the perseverance to be a wise builder and to, to build on a foundation that's there right now, to build on the rock. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.